Women on the Rise is supported by The Riveter, a modern union for working women, offering content, community, and co-working spaces, all designed with a focus on women and work. I've been a member of The Riveter since nearly the beginning and have proudly watched them expand from Seattle to cities around the country. You might even remember that their CEO and founder, Amy Nelson, was my very first guest on this podcast. Countless collaborations and friendships have come from my kitchen conversations and post-event chats with my fellow Riveters, both women and men. The Riveter believes that equity and opportunity should be a reality, not a promise. Visit www.theriveter.co to learn more. And by Armoire. Do you love variety but hate the clutter and expense of new clothes? That is totally me. So I just signed up for Armoire, a clothing rental service for today's boss lady. Armoire gives me access to designer clothes I can exchange on my schedule for a flat monthly fee. I get access to a guilt-free flow of new clothes without the hassle of shopping or dry cleaning. You can ask anyone. I hate shopping. Women on the Rise listeners can try Armoire today for $100 off your first month using code WOTR100. That's WOTR100. Visit www.armoire.style to get started. Well, you know, to make the world a better place, I think it's going to start on the inside. And we have to really love ourselves and take care of ourselves and feel good about who we are. And if you're constantly having to encounter these subtle shaming within your everyday life, how can it not have its impact on how you feel about yourself? And so really, I think that that's where the cycle comes in, where you feel good about who you are and you can go out and embrace the world unapologetically. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive coach and lifestyle expert, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Hey, podcast listeners, Laura here. I'm just going to get right to it and ask you if you've rated and reviewed the podcast yet. If you have, thank you so much. We're trying to get to 75 or more five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts by the end of the year, and we're at it about just over 50. So if you haven't left a rating or review yet, if you could do me a favor right now and hit pause and leave one, it truly does help other women find the podcast. So thank you for doing that. Okay, enough of my leave a rating and review pitch. Do it. Thank you. Have you ever considered if your clothes allow you to express your true identity? Our clothing is integral to how we show up in the world. And if you can't find clothes that you feel good or real in, it affects every part of your life. Maybe even your ability to step into your purpose in a way that feels authentically you. Well, Fran Dunaway is out to change all of that with her undergarment company, Tomboy X, by creating foundational garments that celebrate the independent spirit in everybody. Not only that, but being CEO and co-founder of Tomboy X is Fran's third career, one that evolved from a lifetime of purpose-driven work. We talked about Fran's career journey from working with developmentally disabled adults to producing political ads to becoming a first-time entrepreneur at age 50. 
how Fran refined her career path by noticing what she liked doing and what she didn't, why Fran feels so strongly about allowing women and men to express themselves authentically versus brands that dictate what being cool means, and specific practices that help Fran feel comfortable in her skin day to day. I want to just pause to give a quick shout out to my friend Michaela Kiner, a previous guest on this podcast, who connected me with Fran Dunaway in the first place. Fran is one of 13 women featured in Michaela's upcoming book called Female Firebrands, Stories and Techniques to Ignite Change, Take Control, and Succeed in the Workplace. In the book, Michaela digs deep into Fran's career story and gets her take on a variety of issues facing women in the workplace, from Me Too to privilege to sending the elevator back down. You can pre-order female firebrands on Amazon now, just FYI. Also, one quick program note. I said something during my interview with Fran about Gen X workers being values-driven. I meant Gen Z. Not that we Gen Xers don't also have values, but just to be clear about the research I was referring to. Enjoy my chat with Fran. So Fran, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, and I'm especially excited because as I was telling you just before we started recording that I have been aware of Tomboy X for some time um, because you all sponsored an event that I attended. It's probably been four years now. But, you know, when I saw your name pop up in my friend Michaela's uh, Female Firebrands book, which is, you know, releasing in, in 2020, I was very excited and, and was immediately like, can you please introduce me so I can have her on the podcast? So thank you. And, you know, because the frame of my podcast is very much around self-care and success, I think, you know, there's some things I would love to get your opinions on around that. But I really would like to start with, given that you have created a very purpose-driven company is kind of how I would think of it. I'm curious about your opinion. Do you think that companies today need to be purpose-driven to be successful? You know, to me, that wasn't really part of the equation. To me, the equation was, if you're going to go into a commercial endeavor, how can you bring your values into what you do? And so it wasn't a business decision. It was a personal decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's often the case. So with that in mind, have you noticed that that is different from the way that companies in the past have done business? So in other words, have you found, even though it wasn't a business decision, have you found it to be a business advantage? I think that there are a lot of uh, consumers out there who are becoming much more savvy about where they're spending their money and where the dollars go uh, that those companies spend the money on. Uh, I think the country has become really divisive. And I think people are waking up to the fact that we have choices and we can choose where we spend our money so that we make sure that we're doing things like protecting our environment or women's rights or the immigration situation that's going on. So people are putting their values to work with how they spend. And I think that's a, a great trend that we're very excited to see. And it's right in keeping with us. And the reason that we made this a values-driven company, because we really want to make the world a better place. And uh, since corporations now have personal status, we may as well uh, take a stance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And it's funny, I was at an event last week, part of which included new research around, specifically around Gen X and kind of what Gen X workers are looking for in the, in the workplace and, and just in their lives. And, and I think this, you know, values-driven piece of it is a big 
piece for them specifically and certainly for other generations as well. But it's just interesting to see that all come together. And I became sort of fascinated, you know, a decade or so ago, probably more than that, around sort of social entrepreneurship and the idea of combining, you know, sort of harnessing the power of capitalism to advance social causes. And I feel like we're in this time where that's been happening for decades, you know, but it's it seems to be more front and center right now. Has that been your experience just being a part of the business community as well? Uh, you know, I wasn't in business before and primarily because in my mind, there was a divide between commercialism and doing good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and sure. so I wish that I had figured this out sooner. And because I I do see the power in it, I think you're smart in recognizing that because there is great power and unfortunately, wealth begets power. And I think that that's really going to be the path to gender equity because there's such an imbalance of that power. And so I think it's important and awesome that you can do good work as a commercial endeavor. And it doesn't have to be always, I mean, all of my been purpose-driven. And so that's, that's just how I get up and go to work every day. And, and so for me, to start a business, one that you know, had a way of, of extending the values that I want and uh, how we make and the choices that we make and everything that we do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's isn't it wonderful to be able to do both? I mean, I think that that's sort of the way that I think of it or not even to be able to do both, but again, to sort of take advantage of the fact that, you know, whether you sort of... Um, philosophically agree with all things capitalism, which, you know, I certainly don't either. It does have power if you can direct it in the right place is kind of the way that I have come to to think about it. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that it's also really empowering for women, especially this notion of entrepreneurism and getting out there and starting your own business and being your own boss and making a real difference has been an incredible experience for me. I was 50 whenever I started this. So it was a long time for me to get here, but I'm thrilled that I did and uh, wish that I'd done it sooner. So if if you're thinking about some sort of an entrepreneurial jump, I, I encourage you to take the leap as long as you uh, are, are, are able to handle risk change and fear, (laughs) all all unhealthy doses, then uh, I I highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I've seen that you've described yourself as an accidental entrepreneur. Can you talk briefly about your career journey and sort of how you ended up here and and, um, any sort of common threads that you've noticed looking back on the experience? Well, whenever I was in, uh, when I was working, I I graduated... um, undergrad and I was trying to decide whether to get an MBA or master's of education. And so I ended up going the master's of education route because of this purpose-driven need to to be giving something back. And uh, my advisor and my mother, of course, were very adamant that I should go for an MBA. And now looking back, I can kind of see why, because it, it, it is a really good fit for me. Business is a good fit for me. Not that my other careers weren't, but it was it was just that this brings out my uh, sense of competitiveness and wanting to to do great things and really put um, just the, the ongoing change and challenges, which I really feed on. So what I did was I, I graduated and uh, 
started opening the first medically fragile group homes here in Washington state. And so worked with developmentally disabled kids and adults, ended up at uh, 30. I was an executive director of an agency. We had 40 clients and we were specializing in autism. And then I had about 60 clients and about 40 employees. And then uh, uh, like five years later, I realized that what I liked was starting and ending projects. I didn't want to do the maintaining of the project. And so I had opened up all of these group homes and found myself in the executive director role. So I was debating or considering what was next. And I decided I'd always been kind of an amateur photographer and was trying to decide what my next career move would be. And uh, flying home from a vacation one time, I said, I know I want to go to film school. So I sold everything at 35 and uh, went to film school up in Vancouver, BC. It was a year long program, very intensive. And I always wanted to be a producer. Uh, I knew that I didn't want to direct because I wanted to be the ultimate in in charge. I've kind of (laughs) always been the person that wants to to kind of be at the high level, seeing the big picture and and, uh, delegating the work to get done. And so that was was the path that I took and ended up in producing political ads for Democrats nationwide. So I've... um, at Bicoastal Office and worked with Democratic candidates and campaigns. And uh, that was a a great career for me. And I did that for about 15 years. And my body was changing. I was running into frustrations and finding beautiful shirting options that you could readily find in the menswear department, you know, really fine quality materials as well as as, uh, fun details under the collar and kind of just a, a quality shirt that you just couldn't find. So this was just a little side project that we were going to do in our garage. And um, we made these beautiful shirts that we were selling and had, you know, my, my career was doing well. I was perfectly happy. It was a, a lucrative and it had, you know, paychecks and uh, vacations and stuff like that. And so uh, it wasn't an intentional thing to take this leap. It was just, that was the accident part. It was uh, because we picked the name Tomboy that that started resonating in such a powerful way that I think the, my political background let me know that there was a fervor behind it, that we had an instant brand because we were hearing from women and girls, people around the world who were so excited to have a brand that saw them for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It really is such a powerful brand. And I, I hadn't been on your website in, in some time until a week or so ago prepping for this interview. And I just, you know, I, I love this focus on you know, what I perceive as empowering authentic self-expression. And I'm curious to know how that piece of it became kind of uh, part of the brand and why that's so important to you to enable that. You know, I think that there's so much divisiveness and shaming in subtle and not so subtle ways that goes on in our society. And things like, you know, if you're a plus size, you have to go to the plus size store or this plus size department. And if you're male, you shop over here. If you're female, you shop over here. And there's so much overlap and there's so much to be said for just finding that space that feels comfortably you, that it isn't about someone else telling you how to be cool. And and brands are built around that notion of, of we know better than you. We know how to tell you how to be cool. You want to be cool, wear our stuff. We want you to be cool because we think you're cool. We know you're cool exactly the way you are. And we want you to start with your foundation and that's your underwear and then build on it from there because it's really important for everyone to be unapologetically who they are all day, every day. 
and to feel comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, I love that. It's so interesting. I, you know, I have two nephews who are, one is 12 and the other is, oh my gosh, is he 14 or 15 now? I keep, they grow up so fast. Anyway, and I'm starting to see sort of the effect of, of, yeah, fashion brands, like, and how they're already becoming attached to that cool factor that brands promise you. And it's interesting. I mean, you know, it is in some respects, sort of, it is what it is. And yet it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of disturbing (laughs) that we all (laughs) have fallen in, I mean, myself included, fall into that trap, you know, and I think that's part of what really resonates with me about Tomboy X and, and just the brand and, and what it stands for, because yeah, as far as I can tell, there's really nothing else out there like that. Well, you know, to make the world a better place, I think it's going to start on the inside and and we have to really love ourselves and take care of ourselves and feel good about who we are. And if you're constantly having to encounter these subtle shaming within your everyday life, then it, how can it not have its impact on how you feel about yourself? And so really, I, I, I think that that's where the cycle comes in, where you feel good about who you are and you can go out and embrace the world unapologetically. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you really step into your power, I I think. And what have you learned personally about feeling comfortable in your own skin, which is another kind of message that that shines through with your brand? Oh, I don't think it's a learned. I think it's a learning. And I think that it's just been this incredible journey of really along gender. I think it's mostly around gender and the spectrum of gender expression. And I think that as we continue to allow each other and ourselves to just feel how you're feeling that day, uh, you know, tomorrow I may want to dress dapper and the next day I want to wear a skirt. Well, everyone should have that option and that be okay. It's just clothing. We don't have to take it all so seriously. It's it's such an interesting thing that we as humans want to put rules and, and boundaries around things. And I'm not a big fan of rules. And so it's, it's learning and, and also learning from the non-binary people and our trans community is, is really taking the forefront and helping educate and open our minds up. And so my mind is constantly opening and expanding. When we started the company, I was just frustrated because it's like, oh, there's pink over here and there's blue over here. What's the deal? And now, <laughs> yeah. and now I understand it as, as much more of a spectrum thing and... I just think it's really empowering and, and really fascinating and, and also uh, just incredibly powerful and positive. Yeah. Well, and I love that you said it's a learning. It's, it's not, you know, feeling comfortable in your skin is a, a, a lifelong journey. It's a daily journey, I think, for all of us. Are there sort of specific practices or mindsets that kind of help you get into that space when you maybe aren't feeling that way when you wake up? I think that... I personally, I'm trying to give myself pause and be in the moment and think things through more thoroughly. If I find myself reacting emotionally to something, I try to check it and see where it's coming from. And so just giving myself permission to sit with it and not just react is, is, has been a really powerful exercise for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, that's, I, I totally resonate with that because I think sometimes we can get um, we start beating ourselves up for for feeling bad too. It's like, why am I feeling bad? What's wrong? And, and it sort of becomes this vicious cycle. It's like, you know, there's there's so much focus on positive thinking right now, which I think, you know, you know, my background is in coaching and psychology, and I very much believe in positive psychology and the benefit of that. And 
I think it's important to, like you said, sit with whatever emotion is showing up and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So what does success mean to you personally? Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess it depends on the day. Success for the company would mean uh, building a, a profitable, sustainable business that is is alive uh, long after I'm gone, and uh, a brand that people identify with and relate to that is about feeling good about yourself. And so that to me would mean success. You know, Sunday it's uh, to make it through the pride parade and uh, not have too many blisters. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it does change, right? I mean, it's how have you noticed that it's changed over the course of your career? Like, has that definition shifted? Um, yeah, I think that for me, it's, it's, I've always tried very hard to be cognizant of the people I work with. As I mentioned, I've found myself since a very early age being the boss, but I've tried to do it from a place of compassion and integrity in such a way that is helpful for the people that I'm the boss of, if you will. And so finding ways to really integrate my values into how the policies that you set up and and the way that things are working. But it really varies too, because when I was running group homes, for example, the focus was very much on, you know, this is low paid people that we're working with disabled people and how do we give them all status and how do we get them to a place of, of feeling worthy and valuable in the world. And when I was doing political campaigns, obviously paying top dollar because, you know, we had high demand and uh, we had to get it done. I, I didn't ever say no. I always said, yes, this is how much it will cost you. And so uh, that way, that way I wasn't worried as much about their status, but, uh, you know, I would try to get them home to their families at, at a decent hour and, and work on efficiencies. Um, and, and so it, it just really has changed throughout my career in, in, that, in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's interesting though. I mean, what I'm hearing is that it certainly has shifted in terms of how it shows up day to day. But the, the thread that I'm hearing is, and you mentioned this earlier, is the values piece of it, right? Like everything that you've done and every sort of, I don't know, way that you've measured success, so to speak, seems to be driven from that place of expressing your values. Yes, I I think it's very important. I think that I have a strong sense of right and wrong around how we treat one another. And that is a very important part to my, who I am. Yeah. So I love your definition of tomboy. And I actually encourage my listeners to go to your website and read the fuller definition. It's too long for me to read here. Um, but a little blurb that I pull that I love is, is just any girl or woman or person who does their own thing, dresses the way they want, gets their hands dirty and keeps their mind open, was, is, and always will be a tomboy. And I love that broader perspective. I'm curious how you think women you know, whether they identify as tomboys, women, and people of all genders can support each other in reaching our goals in business and in life? I think you always have to leave the door open and look behind you and lend a hand to help someone up. And we have, regardless of of where we are in life, we have things that we can pass down and ways that we can help bring people to where we are. So I, I think just being 
uh, very aware of mentorship and not closing doors and and bringing people along is is incredibly important. I've been in work environments where that wasn't the case, where people are very protective of their of of their territory, and I just don't think that it's a, a helpful environment for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any specific tips for you know you mentioned mentorship and any tips for people who are looking for a mentor or on the other side who want to be a mentor about how to open the door for that? I think attending various uh, networking events, going to meetups or networking events and finding kind of some people that are looking for your help. I know that I had incredible mentors along this journey. And so now I'm paying it forward and have monthly calls with a couple of people where I'm just a 30-minute call checking in with where they are in their business. They're about where I was about five years ago. And so I'm happy to do that kind of thing. But opening yourself up and just meeting other people and then not being afraid to ask for help when you do need help and, and really finding, I mean, we wouldn't have built this business. My wife and I both are, are very curious and uh, don't stop. And so we both, uh, since we co-founded the company, Anytime we would get to an area of gray, I call it, we would seek out an expert in that gray area and take them out for lunch or drink and and then uh, pick their brain. And we got some incredible mentors that way that are still with us today. Yeah. Yeah. And it can sometimes be hard as a business owner to, as you said, like admit that you don't know what to do. So I love, I think that's a really great reminder for everyone that that's how you get to the next place is to say, you know, not quite sure where to go here. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Fran. Where can people go to connect with you and with Tomboy X? Oh, check us out at TomboyX.com. And we've got Instagram at TomboyX. And uh, on Twitter, it's at Tomboy Exchange. And if you uh, shop in the next three months and use the code Laura15, L-A-R-A-1-5, you'll get 15% off your order. Thank you so much for that gift. I really appreciate that. And I, and I hope that some of my listeners take advantage of it. So again, thank you for your time, Fran. This was so wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lardalch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lardalch.com slash podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. It's a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media.